Hey, we're going to get right into a series today that we're starting called First Things First. First Things First. And it's amazing because we already had this title for this series, but we're changing everything about it, uh, obviously with the uh, ruling that just took place in our Supreme Court. And uh, be honest with you, I was going to take a couple Sundays in July off. I wasn't going to be gone. I was just going to, our staff was going to preach. And, and while half our church is on vacation, I thought I'd take a little break too. You know what I mean? And, uh, but, uh, but with all that's transpiring, my wife and I, as you know, we got away last weekend just really to pray. I did not want to react to the uh, decision. I wanted to respond to it, and I'm going to do that today. And uh, throughout this month, I'm going to talk to you about what's going on. Where's the church and today I want to talk to you about the Bible, the church in America. Uh, you do not want to miss next Sunday. Next Sunday I'm going to show you biblically where another nation went through identically where we are right now and how did they respond as Christians. And next week I want to talk to you about uh, Christians in a non-Christian culture. How do we respond and thrive in the midst of that? You don't want to miss that. But one thing I want to encourage you to do, Wednesday night, we're going to move all of our life groups, all of our small groups Wednesday night. We're asking everyone in this church to come here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and we're going to have a night of worship, and we're going to pray for our nation. Amen. Amen. I don't want 20 people here. I want you here Wednesday night coming in for a night of worship, and we're going to pray. The youth are going to be with us, and we're going to pray, and we're going to seek the face of God, and we're going to watch God shine in the midst of darkness through his church. Amen? We're not retreating. We're not digging a foxhole. This is the church. The church of Jesus has always thrived when under persecution. And the church today does not know anything about persecution. We've had it so good and so easy. This is many of our first really challenge of our faith. And so let's get right into the word. Get your notes out. And I want to talk to you today about the Bible, the church, and America. Just over a week ago, a massive decision was made by the United States Supreme Court. Some would say that the decision on same sex marriage was a reflection of where our society stands. However, it is one thing for a fraction of society to desire a new definition of marriage. But it's another thing entirely for government to sanction it as a law of the land. Do you know only 1.7% of Americans support same-sex marriage today, yet it just became the law of the land at the opinion of five Supreme Court justices? Now, just stay with me today because I'm going to show you something. Every person, especially Christians, realize that what took place is a major milestone in the life of our country, five of nine non-elected Supreme Court justices who were sworn in under oath to defend and protect the Constitution by placing their hand on a Bible, in turn, used their position to violate both the Bible and the Constitution. As U.S. citizens, our authority is the Constitution of the United States. We are under obligation to obey the Constitution in its original writing and intent above and beyond anyone or anything else. The Constitution of our nation is untouchable. It is what our nation was built upon. And by the way, 52 of the 55 men that penned that Constitution and made it life were evangelical Christians. And they wrote it based on the principles of God's Word. Justice Antonin Scalia, who opposed the, the vote, 
He was one of the justices who did not agree. He said, this is a naked judicial claim to legislative, indeed super legislative power. A claim fundamentally at odds with our system of government. A system of government that makes the people subordinate to a committee of nine unelected lawyers does not deserve to be called a democracy. The Supreme Court did not have the legislative authority to do what they just did. The Supreme Court overturned a millennia, thousands of years of history and law in the understanding and definition of marriage was just overturned by five justices who were unelected and violated the legislative law of the Constitution. Chief Justice John Roberts, in opposing the law, he said, it is striking how much of the majority's reasoning would apply with equal force to the claim of a fundamental right to now plural marriage. This is why do you do not touch the Constitution. It is non-negotiable and non-changeable. When changed for one, it must now be changed for all. The result is a loss of the law of the land, and the consequences of that is a loss of man's conscience where now he lives with no boundaries on moral issues. Now stay with me because I'm going biblical here, all right? It was understood by those supporting the law that this change in our Constitution would give the exact same argument for those desiring to promote polygamy, bestiality, pedophilia, and we're already seeing that take place in the news where people are now going up to our courts and saying, I want to marry two or three wives at the same time. People are already requesting to marry their pet. No, I'm not making this up, folks. And pedophilia organizations are now looking to be recognized and approved by our government. Saying that their desire for children is how they were born. I'm just telling you what's going on, folks. This is way deeper than what our media wants us to see. The enemy has a settled plan in this. And so today, I'm going to speak to you pastoral. I want you to know that I have thought this through. I have prayed this through. Everything I'm going to say to you today is intentional. It's not a mistake. And I'm going to cover you today because that's my job. That's my calling is to love you, which I do. It's to feed you, which I try my best spiritually. It's to cover you as a pastor and protect you and your family. It's to preach truth and help you find your purpose and destiny in God. And I'm going to do my best to do that today. But I want to talk to you very openly and plain about this. You see, there is a day approaching that every one of us will stand before God in judgment. We will not be judged by the opinion of our politicians, by the opinions of our Congress or Supreme Court or social media or anyone else. We will be judged according to one thing, and that's the Bible, the Holy Scriptures of God. That's what he's going to use when we stand before him one day in judgment. And he's not going to come and ask us about a vote or a constitution. He's going to come and ask us, how did you live according to the principles of my word? And so I want to talk to you today pastorally about a topic called values. Values. Get your notes out and let's go for a ride. Values, what are they? Values is a person's principles or standards of behavior. One's judgment on what is most important in life. 
The Bible is the constitution of the Christian faith. I brought my old one today instead of my good, clean one. Because this is the one I grew up, man, just tearing up, you know, because I, I grew up in the printing press era, you know what I mean? And I know some of you are in Google era, all right? You just Google it, but some of us had to dig to get it. We, we had to dig to find the truth. We had to dig to find that golden nugget. I got my old one. It's all beat up, taped up, man. It's got hours of just digging and searching for truth. The principles of God's word that we establish our values. And my Bible is my constitution. And when it becomes my constitution, it is non-negotiable and non-changeable. It can't be touched. The Bible is the constitution of the Christian faith. It is where we derive our standard of living, where we find our Christian values. It is not to be added to nor taken from. The book of Psalms, read it with me. It says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes, his words, his principles, and seek him with all of their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Amen. Look in Revelation 22, 17 through 19. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, the scriptures, he says, I warn you, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And believe me, read Revelation, you don't want those. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy or the scripture, God will take away from that person any share of the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. God says, you take away from this book, I take your name out of the book of life. You take away from this book, you don't enter the city called heaven. That's some serious stuff. It's non-touchable. It's non-negotiable. And there's two terms that are used to explain the very nature of the Bible. And they're inerrancy and infallibility. Inerrancy and infallibility. The word inerrancy means that there are no errors whatsoever in the Holy Scriptures. There's none. There's, there's none to correct. There's no errors, so it doesn't need correcting. The Bible's straight. This inerrant. How many believes the Word of God is inerrant? It's the inspired, anointed, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. It is my constitution that I govern and live my life by. The Word of God is infallible, which means the Scriptures are without any type of defect. They are totally trustworthy and reliable. God did not make a mistake when He penned the book. And He penned it full of life. The Word, the book, is not a book to confine me. It's a Word to free me. How many is glad the Word freed you? How many was bound before you met the Word? Come on, Really? Yeah, I was bound, man. The enemy owned me. My life was miserable. It was empty. It was all messed up. The Word didn't come to bind me up. It came to free us and let us find our purpose and our destiny in God. But the Word is a Word that God gives us that if we obey it, we walk in the blessings of God. And He said, if you disobey my principles, the core values of my Word, He says, you're under a curse. He says, you don't change that word to fit your culture. Yeah. 
or fit your personal beliefs. Your culture and your beliefs must line up with my word. And we all have our culture. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is flawless. Come on, say that with me. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Watch. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. You don't touch the word of God. It is said that the first generation generates. The second generation motivates. Third generation speculates. And the fourth generation dissipates. It vanishes. It breaks down. And it is very likely that those in politics and positions today and pulpits and society, and it's amazing to me the number of clergy that are approving and saying, I'm not really bothered by this. I'm bothered that you're not bothered. Because this law is misleading so many young people into thinking something's okay when God says it's not. Because man approves it doesn't mean God's okay with it. And it's not just that. I'm going to talk about that today. So you don't highlight one while you're living another. Okay, yeah, I know. Don't get up and leave on me now. Or we know you're guilty. But it's very, very possible that the very people that pass these laws, if you go from one generation to the next, there was a praying godly grandmother in that lineage. There was a grandfather, a father, a mother that was God-fearing and Bible-believing, but what one generation allows in modesty, the next one indulges in, good or bad. And what used to be truth and solid dissipates until it's watered down and means nothing. And this is what's happening in our society with our values. And so I want to talk to you today about three areas of values that you must govern your life by. Number one is personal values. Personal values. Values that are derived out of your personal relationship with God. They are personal principles that you govern your own individual life. They are your personal convictions. A few examples of some personal values. These are some of mine. Like reading the Bible daily. I hope all of yours too. Prayer. Attending church is a personal value. Now, that's your job, Pastor. I come when I'm not preaching or when I'm not in charge or when I'm not. I love, we just went away for a week. We're in church because I love going to church. On vacation, we go to church. Going to church. Tithing is a personal value of mine. It's not a law. It's a personal value. My work ethic. I'm a workaholic. I was raised that. I'm a workaholic. I I don't like lazy. It's a personal value of mine. Caring for the poor. It's a personal value of mine. Sharing my faith. It's a personal value that I, I thrive every day to share my faith with at least one person before I go to bed that night. It's a personal value. You see, my personal convictions are mine but that doesn't mean I can force them on you. And your personal convictions are yours and you can't force them on me. There may be some things okay for me that's not okay for you or for you that's not okay for me. You may be able to go to places that I don't go because of my position. Doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to go there. It's just not right for me. You you with me? But let's look at what the scripture said in Psalms 119, talking about personal values. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. You're guiding me personally. 
You're letting me know my personal values and convictions. Let's look at Philippians. Continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And personal values are, are disciplines that God has put into my life that I'm to have in my life. Alcohol-free is a personal value that I've lived my whole life as a child. I, I said, I, I, I don't want to drink alcohol. I, I had too many friends that I took home that did. And if they act that stupid like that, I don't want to do that. And so I just had a personal value that I don't want to drink. And so I've never tasted alcohol in 56 years. Now, that doesn't make me better than somebody that has. And it doesn't give me the right to put my personal value on someone else and say, you're going to hell if you drink a glass of wine or beer. Now, I'm not up here promoting drinking. I'm just saying I can't promote a personal value and say, you have to have my same value. Are you with me? And so God's saying there's got to be some personal values in your life. But Jesus did say this. He said, if any man is to be my disciple, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. And the word disciple there comes from the Greek word discipline. And what Jesus is saying is if any man is going to be my disciple, he must be disciplined enough to take up his cross daily and follow me. And if there's not an area of your life that you're living out every day that requires discipline, you're not a true biblical follower of Jesus. An area that I could be tempted to do that, but I'm not. I could go mess up there, but I'm not. Because there's discipline in my life that says I'm not going there. That's not who I am. I told the early service, I was at an office depot a little while back, and, and I noticed this blonde lady who kept following me around. And I'm married to a real hot blonde, you know, or whatever it is now. I don't know. She got to change this week. And, uh, <laughs> okay, whatever. It's in between something. But anyway, but she's hot. It don't matter what color it is. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and but anyway, this woman was real blonde. And, and I noticed she kept following me around. She wasn't looking to buy nothing. Now I'm old, fat, and gray, all right? So when you follow me around, you got some issues, okay? And, uh. And so I knew she already had some issues going on, and she's following this. You know what I mean? And so I, I, I kept thinking, and she follows me up to the line, and she ain't got nothing to pay for. And, and then I go out to my truck, and she follows me out there too. And, and so I'm in my truck, and she puts her hand down on my mirror, and she's got a wedding band on like I do. And I roll my window down, and she goes, I have this thing for men with gray hair. I went, oh, no, my wife does too. <laughs> up. No, no, we ain't risking that for that. No, no. But you know what? Here's the honest truth. It wasn't her that kept me from messing with that. It was my values. That I didn't have to sit there and go, well, just give me five minutes, let me. No, my values set up. Gone. You know why? Those are personal values. My wife don't have to go to bed at night wondering if I'm out messing around on her. There's values that keep me from doing that. You've got to have your personal values. Number two is traditional values. Traditional values. These are principles and beliefs and convictions that have been passed down in your family lineage from one generation to the other. And most of your personal values will be derived out of your traditional values. They were overlap, many of them. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. 
Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. To who? To those who love him and keep his commandments. My family values and convictions have been in that order for generations. Prayer and Bible reading and church every Sunday. I mean, you grew up in my mom and daddy's house. You didn't have a say-so. They didn't care if you're 20 or 21. You live in this house, going to church. Oh, it's the value of this house. It's not a law. It's a value. And we didn't go because we had to. We went because we wanted to because our parents didn't make church this horrible thing. We wanted to go. Tithings of value I learned from my parents. It's not something the preacher taught me. I watched my dad give when he had nothing to give in obedience to God, and I watched God supernaturally take care of my family. I've watched it in our family. We passed it to our children. Things that are traditional. My dad loved the poor. My mom loved the poor. They always brought homeless people in. That's why I have a burden for the poor. Now my children and even now my grandchildren are showing a burden for the poor. It's a tradition of value that we're passing down, treating every person with dignity and respect regardless of culture or race or skin color is a value that is traditional in my family. And you've got to come and realize that there's traditional values that you've got to get back into your lineage. Certain traditions that are of great importance to the family lineage but are based on personal convictions and just like our personal convictions, we can't force them on anyone else because they're ours. And because it's my value doesn't mean I can force it on you. You see, no alcohol, and I'm not trying to beat that one up, but that's a traditional value of my family. There's not a social drinker in my family lineage for five generations. Now, that doesn't make us better than anybody else. I'm saying that was a value. I'm wanting you to try to use it as an example. That's a value that was passed. And, and my son, he got stupid and tried it a little bit. And uh, thank God he's got, God got him back out. And, and I don't know what my kids are going to do with that, but I pray to God they hold on to that value. Because it's a value that's traditional in our family. And, and well, why are you talking about that? Well, you know, I've never met an alcoholic yet that didn't start out a social drinker. And many are sitting in here right now that God's setting free from that. And I've been pastoring next month. I'll be pastoring full-time for 35 years. And I have not had one person come into my church one time and go, Pastor, I came in all messed up, life broke, tore up, just a mess, a wreck, and horrible. And I went out and started drinking, and life got all better. That happened one time. Not one. And so I'm not trying, I don't, I don't take that value of mine and go to somebody and go, Hey, man, don't drink in front of me. I, I go out and eat with people often because half of the people I associate with are not Christians on purpose. And I go out to people, and they drink with their wine while we eat, and people get their beer while we eat. And I'm not all, ooh, freaking out like you're doing that in front of a preacher. <sighs> don't bother me. That's why I'm with them because they, I want to bring them into the presence of God. Don't freak me out. But you see, I can't force my value on you, personal or traditional, but I can say to you that the Bible says all drunkards will have their place in the lake of fire. That I can't judge you by drinking a beer or a glass of wine, but I can stand here today and warn you that when you start letting it cross the line, 
until you have a habitual pattern of getting drunk. You don't have a traditional or personal value issue anymore. You have a biblical value issue. And see, I don't try. I didn't want to drink because I know me. Now, if I do it, I'm going to do it all the way. <laughs> you may be able to drink a glass. I want the bottle. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know how to do stuff halfway. We're going all the way. My wife, she can buy a bag of M&Ms. This is no, no lie. She will buy a bag of M&Ms and tear the corner off and eat two a day. No, I'm doing the bag. You know what I'm saying? No, we're doing the bag right now. She does. Am I not lying, Debbie? She does. She'll get a bag of potato chips and put that thing on there and just, she, those things, she, nobody can eat just one. My wife can. No, I want the bag. And, and I know if I get started, I'm doing the whole thing. And so best stay away and keep your values. Come on, y'all with me today? All right? And so I, I know some of you, you see, when your traditional values begin to disappear, your personal values go with them. But Pastor Dan, you sure going old-fashioned on us today. Why do you think 52% of marriages inside the church are in divorce? Addictions, adultery, violation of marriage, fornication, sex before marriage, fill our churches every Sunday. We have to chase people down to keep them in church. Watch them struggle financially because they robbed God and are removed from his covenant blessing by holding their tithes. We have for 20 years watered down the Bible to be politically and socially correct until there's no values or boundaries left to govern people's lives. You see, when your personal values are gone, you start losing traditional values. And just as a generation curses can be broken, so can generational blessings. Just as curses can be destroyed, so can blessings. You see, some spent your tithe on vacation last month. Some plan on doing it this month. But the generation before you didn't even consider that because that belonged to God. That's God's tithe, not mine. You see, the generations before us never thought about having relations outside of a marriage. There was a covenant made. You didn't violate that covenant. I've told my wife, you don't have to worry about me cheating on you because I respect my children too much. You don't have to worry about, if I fell out of love with you, which will never happen, but if I fell out of love with her, I will not violate my children because I want that lineage of blessing to continue from generation to generation. Come on, you with me today? And so we've got to come and realize today that, that God is speaking to us about values. And, and if you're a parent, raise your hand. Parents, you can put them down now. Your personal values will become your children's traditional values. So choose them wisely and choose them with your children in mind. Our kids know how to play ball, but do they know the core values of this book? Do they know how to live them? Now, I was given hope. My wife and I was given hope this past week. We had 11 young men from this church in our house for three days and two nights. They can eat now. <laughs> Whew. That bill just kept going up. I'm like, I thought we was through with this. Them boys can eat. But I'm going to tell you something. Our hearts were so encouraged. Some of them are here. Some are on vacation. They're watching us. 
But parents, you can be proud if that was any of your boys, man. I'm telling you, we sat in front of boys with value, boys that have been trained value, boys that love God, boys that are faithful. We taught this to them before we preached it to you. We've, we've got a group of young men that's coming up in this church, man, that are not leaders in the future. They're leaders right now because they've got values in them. Some of them are right here. Values inside of them, man. Conversations that were deep, deep conversations. We brought in two African-American pastors to help us talk about cultural issues and racism in our society today. And when they both left, their comments were like, you didn't need us, man. They done got it. Because we were all blown away by the conversation coming from our young men that they're already beating that thing, man. They're already conquering that. But you've got to come and realize today, parents, that your personal values today will become your children's traditional values. What you're living now, your children will become an excess. If you don't love the house of God today, don't expect your children to be here. If you are having fornication outside of marriage, don't expect your children to honor themselves or someone else. If you're cheating on your spouse, don't expect your children to be faithful to theirs. Told you I'm talking pastoral. Number three, when I told our staff what we was preaching on, they said, well, we're fixing to explode in growth or go to two services. I said, we'll know by the end of July. I'll take either one. I want a real church. I, I don't want anybody leaving, but if you go to this church, I want you to know what you believe. And I want you to believe it, that you'll live for it and die for it if you have to. And so let's talk about core values. Here's the main one, and I'm, I'm going longer than I needed to, so y'all with me? Core values. Core values are direct instructions and demands given by God that cannot and do not change. They are biblical principles and instructions that must be obeyed if one is to be identified as a true Christian. And so much today is being melted down and watered down. Well, you know, love. That's why I'm preaching to you truth today because I love you. I love my children enough to put a belt on their behind when they needed it. To, to pull them in a room. Now, I'm not saying go beat your children. <clears throat> Just another traditional value of my house. <laughs> but you've got to come and understand that, that you can't just compromise the gospel and expect it to change your life. And so an example, core values. What are some examples? How about the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not. Shalt not. That means there's no discussion here. Thou shalt not kill. And why are we murdering millions of babies a year? Why the church is silent? Thou shalt not. He gives us 10 big shout nots, and we are trying to find a way to pass around them. How about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? I mean, believes that he really came and died. He really rose again, and he's really coming back again. Come on, anybody really believe that? That's another reason you don't want to miss Wednesday night. We did not have all this planned, but there's seven major events, not might happen, are happening between the end of June, and one of them was the potential of the passing of the same-sex marriage law, which did pass. Seven major events that are going to happen, both spiritually, biblically, and socially, 
They are going to happen. What are the ramifications of those? We do not know yet. They are going to happen. I'm going to discuss two of them Wednesday night here before we pray. Amen. The Shemitah, which has proven itself throughout generations since Moses' day in the Bible. We're going to talk about the, the moons. We're going to talk about some issues. I'm going to show you these seven things that are going to happen, what the ramification of them are going to be. We don't know yet, but they're going to happen. So we are living in a very, very precious time, and it's not a time to be afraid. It's not a time. The Bible says a man who says the Lord's not, it's a fool who says in his heart the Lord delays his coming. Jesus can come right now. He can come tomorrow, but if he doesn't, then you need to know how to be living according to his scriptures until he comes. We're going to talk to you Wednesday night before we pray, all right? And so how about the depravity of man? We were all born sinners, the redemption of the lost through Jesus Christ only. The sanctity of life is a core value. The sanctity of marriage is a core value of the scripture. Standing with Israel is a core value of the Scripture. These are not political issues. These are biblical core values that cannot be touched by anyone. Core values are non-compromising, non-negotiable. True Christians honor them with their life and will defend them with their death. And that's why we saw Coptic Christians having their heads cut off and their blood flowing in the ocean by ISIS because they had core values that they didn't just live by, they died by. My family are sitting here right now and we've had meetings and I have prepared my family for me to go to prison. Because if our country stays in the path that's going right now and I preach what I'm preaching to you right now, I will go to prison for preaching the gospel, but I'm not changing my core values of my faith to fit a law made by man. I don't want to go. I'm not preaching that as a scare tactic. I'm just dealing with reality. And so we've got to come and understand while on 40 years in the wilderness journey, the Israelites all camped around a tabernacle. And I want to show you something. God set the tabernacle there on a 40-year journey, and there were 12 tribes. Talking about core values now. Personal, traditional core. There were 12 tribes of Israel, and he stationed specifically three tribes to be on the north, three to be on the south, three to be on the east, the west, three to be on the east. And so 12 tribes, three on each side. The issue is they never left their side. So they always saw things by their side. And every tribe had its own culture. Every tribe looked different. The Bible says they were known by their standard. And the word standard in the Hebrew there means flag or banner. That every tribe had a different flag. They had a different banner that they waved. They had their own dress. They had their own attire. They looked different. They were culturally different. They worshiped different, but they only saw their side. And so morality and law was based on how they perceived on their side. So God said, we got to fix this. So once a year, he called a general assembly for all the tribes to come together so that they could still have their personal and traditional values, but all of them were living under the core values of the principles of his word. And, and the beautiful thing of that is we can have our denominations, we can have our cultural differences, we don't have to get rid of that, 
And, and in this church is one of the reasons I love pastoring here is we have so many cultural diversities and race diversities and social diversities and so many worship styles. And you may have come up liking that pipe organ and we got lights and fog machines. I mean, dear God. You know, and, and, and the diversity and, and all of that. And here's the thing. You can keep your style, keep your banner, keep your flag, but we've got to come together and say, but in the midst of our diversity, we're political parties. we got all the diversity here, but we've got one book. One book that we derive our core values out of and though your culture, and that's why we have bylaws. I'm rewriting our bylaws right now of our church. I can rewrite our bylaws, but I do not touch our constitution. Our constitution is untouchable. It is the foundational truths of the word of God. It is untouchable, though the bylaws can be changed. The constitution are the core values of our faith. You don't touch those. And we've got to come and grab that in our hearts today. Look in Proverbs chapter 22, 28. Getting ready to close. Do not remove the ancient landmark your fathers have set. Core values. I had a godly, godly grandfather on both sides. Godly grandparents. Godly parents. I'm trying to be one to my children. You don't lose those landmarks. That's your fathers. You don't lose the landmarks that our spiritual fathers set forth for this country. You don't lose those. There are certain core values that are set in stone and are never to be violated or touched. Sex before marriage is a violation of biblical core values, young people and older people. Yeah, it used to be a teenage message. Ain't no more. If you're not married and you're having sexual relations with anyone, you're violating a core value of the Scripture. Amen. See how quiet it's getting in here? I love it. I love it, love it, love it when it gets quiet. Because I'm licensed to do this, by the way. I'm, I'm an ordained minister of the gospel, so I am licensed to get all in your business. License. I am certified to get in your business. I'm trying, but it's getting quiet in here. No. I'm not here today to try. I'm not judging you. I'm loving you right now. I'm loving you enough trying to rescue you because I just read up here earlier that when you violate, when you violate the core values of the Scriptures, God says I'm, you're pulling yourself away from the promises and the covenant that I have for you. It's not always easy, folks. That's why that discipline thing comes in I was talking about. You have to discipline yourself. Sex with anyone other than your husband or wife violates core values. That's adultery. It's a violation of core values of the Scripture. Sex with anyone of the same sex as you is a violation of a core value. That's why I can't approve it no more than I approve the others that I've named. I will not perform a same-sex marriage. I don't care who passes that law. Because God's law overrides any law man makes. It will not happen here. But wait, don't clap if you're sleeping with someone and you're not married. Because I ain't marrying you either.
Because I, I question people when I counsel them. I let them know, you're going to sit through three counseling sessions with me, and at the end of the third one, I'm going to give you a yes or no, will I do your wedding? Because if I don't think you're ready, I'm not doing it because I don't want your divorce on my hand. And three people in my years of ministry, I've refused to do their wedding. Did they get mad? Yes. But did I have their divorce on my hand? No. One of them was right not too long ago sitting in my office. Another church referred somebody to us, and the guy's going... And she's going, he's messing around on me and he wants to marry me. And I, I said, you need to walk out let me talk to him. And I asked him, you going to continue to do this? Probably. I go, we ain't going on. Leave. I ain't marrying you. Why? You're violating the scriptures, the core values of the scripture. I can't put my signature on that. It's not just about same-sex marriage, though that's the topic of the hour that we've got to come and realize that the core values are the constitution of our faith. They're not interested in my opinion. They're the law, and they're established to protect me, not restrict me. Let me ask you a question. What would America look like today if we had just followed the core values on sexual immorality? We wouldn't have all the STDs. We wouldn't have the babies out of wedlock. We wouldn't have the abortions. We wouldn't be dealing with a same-sex marriage issue right now. We wouldn't have pedophiles running around raping our children. If we had just kept with a core value that God established for us to live by. Amens are low, but the preaching is really good right now. Just want y'all to know that, all right? So let me, let me close. You see, Psalm 16.6, last scripture. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. What it means there is I live within the boundaries because I have a great heritage. I'm going to stay with that heritage. I'm going to live under the blessings because today's permission becomes tomorrow's doctrine. We just gave millions of young people permission. Permission destroy their life did we not just gave them they don't have a daddy to watch over them a spiritual mama to speak into them and we just gave them permission to do whatever personal traditional values are there to protect your core values Satan desires to break down your personal values and then your traditional values as a mean of slowly removing our core values that should never be touched. And I'm going to say this and get ready to close. I stand, I live, I parent, I'm a husband, I vote, I preach according to my core values. People, I've, I've had people in this town get mad at me. Well, you're an independent voter, yeah? Well, we want you on the Republican over here. I go, I don't do Republican. I vote according to my core values. I don't do Democrat, don't do Republican. I'd love to take an elephant and a donkey by the neck and throw them both off a cliff. Because I don't see hope in either one of them. The only hope I see is the hope that I've always had and been taught. And that's the Word of God. And next Sunday, I'm going to tell you how to walk that out in a non-Christian environment. But you see, I'm not mean. I'm not trying to be political. I'm not against anyone. Transformation Church is a house, a lighthouse. We are a hospital. You can come here in any way you are. You can come broken. We have homosexuals living together, living in homosexual acts.
come to this church every Sunday and we love you. We're going to keep loving you. We're going to keep hugging on you. We're going to keep preaching truth to you. We're going to keep being a family to you. We have people sleeping around. We have drug addicts. We have alcoholics. We have prostitutes. We have wealthy people. We have poor people. We've got a mixture of everything. It's a hospital. Whosoever will, you can come. We're going to reach out. We're going to heal. But I cannot heal you with a lie. I can't heal you with a lie. I can only heal you with truth can only give you truth and I'm not trying to preach to one thing today I'm trying to show you you got to get your values back don't don't start screaming at Washington about how they've lost values when the church lost theirs first we've got to bring value back into the house of God you see what do you mean I'm supposed to be silent I've, I've already been encouraged to be that not by anybody here just be careful, Pastor. Be careful what you say in the pulpit. And we've already been warned that people are coming here to tape us and record us and do stuff to try to find. You don't have to record me. We record everything I preach right back there, and I'll give you one, edited free. You don't have to record me. Because I don't say anything I don't mean. We had two ladies, and they told me I could share this, and I've already gone over. So y'all okay if I go over two minutes today? It's a different day. Two ladies came to this church. They've been living in homosexual relationship for since the, before, well for years, but they came Easter. They got saved. They told me I could share this, by the way. And and they got into a conflict recently. They asked to meet with me. They're going through our grow track and everything, just going, still living together. And we love them, love them, love them. Just hug. How you doing? Mowing their grass, helping them. And they, they said, when we meet with you, so Sunday two weeks ago, I met with them, and they go, we're having relationship issues. And I said, good, I've been praying for that. And they go, we're, we're having some stuff going on because since we got saved and baptized, we can't do that physical stuff no more. And, and nobody, nobody got a Bible and shoved, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And maybe you're here right now and you're, you're in a lifestyle of homosexuality. You're in the right church because we love you. And we're not here to say you got to change or don't come back next Sunday. I'm saying come on back because you're with family. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm a pastor and we're a church that's going to love you because you're no different than the person that's in this or that or that or this. We all have struggles in our life. We want to find out where does this book fit in your life and my life and how can it make me better and well. So I want to challenge you as you challenge me. There must be a reestablishment of the core values in our life personally, in our life traditionally, and in our life in the core values of God's Word. But we're going to have nothing to offer the world. So how many would join me and let's get our core values back? Traditional values back. Personal values back. Bow your heads. Thank you for letting me go a little bit long. Father, I pray over this congregation. I pray, first of all, for me. I pray that you will help me, God, to be real. I'll never be perfect. 
help me to be real to this congregation, real to you, to myself. Help me, God, to walk according to the core values of your word. God, that we can't, we can't compromise those because it's the truth of your word that sets us free. And if we change it or dilute it, God, it loses its ability to change our life. So, God, I pray that you help everyone in this room today that, God, there's a reestablishment of our core values, your word in our life that we will not compromise. God, a a reestablishment of our traditional values that are passed from our family lineage and our personal values of conviction, God, that you're bringing to every one of our lives. I pray, Father, that you help us to reestablish them now in Jesus' name. How many in here right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you would say, Pastor, wow, God's talking to me today, and and I already realize and recognize where some values are that I've lost, that God's just got a highlight, big light on right now, and I want these areas restored in my life. Would you just slip a hand up, and you can put it right back down. None of my business on what, just God sees it. There's some areas that I got to get some values restored. While every head's bowed and eyes closed, how many might be here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I, wow, I wasn't expecting this today, but I realize right now that I've allowed myself to slip and to wonder and to stray away from the core values of God's scripture. And I find myself today, I, I, I really don't know if I'm right with God. I really don't know if my heart's where it needs to be with God. I, I want to know without a doubt that I'm right with him and I want to surrender my life completely to him today pray for me if that's you I'm not going to point you out I'm not coming to you I just want to pray a prayer with you if that's you would you slip a hand up wow hands going up all over this building if you raise your hand and you mean that I want you to pray this prayer not just pray it because I'm praying it I want you to pray it and mean it in your heart we're going to pray with you say dear Jesus I come to you now you said in your word if I would come to you Confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you meant that, you're as saved as I'm saved right now. In Jesus' name. You join me and let's give a hand clap somewhere around 15.